Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, are the best, well, perhaps not technically the best, but arguably the most famous co-host in an extremely (laughs) specific genre of podcast, Chris Brodell. (laughs) I have two shoes that are not on. That's that's gonna be so obscure. I'll explain that one in a minute. And Shane well, Beauregard. That, that's I, I don't know what to say after that. I, I don't <laughs> like following Chris at all. But what's up? Like you need to lead off with me from now on because I don't like following Chris. It's possible. Yeah, I do need to do that. I think I did that once and I got I confused everybody, including myself. So <laughs> I'll try to switch it up from time to time because you're right. Um, but what Chris was getting to is uh, the segment we will be doing at the end of this episode which is a recommendations episode where he will be recommending marcel the shell with shoes on and shane and i will have our recommendations as well but as this episode is already getting weird it is fitting that we are going to lead off with weird the al yankovic story uh that was released on roku the roku channel uh over the weekend surprisingly easy to watch um, I like not having to like sign up for anything, just literally download it and play was very satisfying. Very much so. Now, again, I will, uh, I will primer you guys, uh, about like, and I'll start with Chris. Where do you guys sit with Weird Al? Like, what did Weird Al mean to you coming into this movie? Were you excited? Was it something that you're like, oh, like he was around. I, I list, was sort of into it. Like, where were you? What's your temperature check with uh, Weird Al Yankovic? When growing up, I was listening to mostly radio. Yeah. And it was, you know, the pop songs, whatever was popular, I was listening to that. And whatever my parents listened to, I would listen to that. But I feel like when Weird Al came out, that was something I grasped onto and it was mine. Right. You know, I was a fan of him growing up. I was... uh I was obsessed, you know, uh, someone that could turn popular songs into his own thing and just make it hilarious. Yeah. He was, he was a, a comedian, a great musician, and made me really appreciate the accordion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, he's a very interesting artist for the fact that I love him so much, but if you played polka in my presence that isn't Weird Al, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> It, that's how unique and amazing he is, and I'm I'm a huge fan. I, I you know, same way, Chris. I grew up in the '80s. Yeah. I was born in '82, and all the pop stars that he was riffing on or whatever were always on the radio. It was the monoculture at the time, 
So we all knew the songs, and now we all knew the parodies. He's basically like the the musician equivalent of Mel Brooks, where like you know, yeah. it, just doing essentially the parody of a different medium, and just this instant thing that I latched onto. And between those two guys, of course, too, I I love the sarcasm, and just and the brilliance, and they just completely take the piss out of everything. And I appreciated that so much um, as that was kind of my mode, even as a child. Um, so, right. hey, that's how you grow up to be comedians and podcasters, apparently. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just always liked him. I had all his albums once I got to that point. I wasn't at the age when UHF came out in 89. Uh, I wasn't, like, huge uh, into it at that point, or if I was, I didn't know about the movie because I was seven. Um, but like, I definitely caught up That's with no all excuse. that later. I know, especially because I did see Batman, but you know, I could have just walked down the hall and saw UHF because it came out in the same summer. Um, Shane, where are you with Weird Al? Like, did you grow up listening to that as well? <sighs> yeah, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little less. I'm I'm lukewarm for Weird Al. I liked okay. his popular stuff, like. The MTV videos, of course, I I liked them all, right. but I never seeked out any of his cassettes. I never owned any of his stuff. So, okay, I'm a fan, but not as big of a fan as you and Chris are. So maybe that's I I don't know if it changed the way I viewed this movie or not. But no, I like them. I just didn't love them. Yeah, and you mentioned to me before, like you enjoyed UHF at least, which is definitely yes, getting the Weird Al aesthetic. <laughs> like right. he may not be called Weird Al in that movie, but that is full one hundred percent Weird Al at that point. Right, and I do appreciate his place in music history and what he was able to accomplish parodying songs and doing his own thing. So I do have an appreciation for Weird Al. I'm just again, I'm a fan, just not a super fan. Right. Well. Uh, and again, that's maybe where we're going to find the dividing line. Because uh, <laughs> even uh, I think uh, Chris's wife may have posted something or maybe you did under the arguing I'm with back, myself. Baby. I know. Yep. But I forgot when she posted to to know for sure. Um, but it was <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't wait to fight Shane <laughs> with, about weird, <laughs> you know, the Al Yankovic story because um, we've been going on about it over the weekend. So this will be interesting. Um Let's set the table. This is co-written and directed by Eric Apple, uh, which did you guys uh, watch the the trailer that this movie was based on? It was a funnier die fake trailer for weird. The Al Yankovic story back in God over five years ago. I know did not. In fact, I didn't know this was a funnier die production until I saw the credits roll up. Same. That I didn't know, um, but the I do remember uh, the Funnier Die sketch um, where Aaron Paul plays Weird Al. So that shows you the time period of like who was hot at the time or who would do these things. And I remember um, uh, what's her Olivia Wilde played Madonna. So it had like oh. a lot of the same oh, beats I, yeah, and no, some I... of the same characters in it. It's a you know a two minute thing, but. If you watch this movie now and you watched that before, there are actual line for line things that they put into the movie that were from the original trailer. So, you know, the sketch trailer. So this is it's kind of an interesting uh, pairing with this because it's the same person who did that sketch for Funny or Die all those years ago is now co-writing and directing this movie, which is kind of like a weird out thing because even UHF 
was directed by the guy who was doing Weird Al's music videos at the time. Yeah. So like he he keeps things very close. So this stars Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al Yankovic, uh, Evan Rachel Wood as Madonna, Rain Wilson as Doctor Demento, Weird Al and Will Forte as the Scotty Brothers, his orig- his actual in real life uh, label. Uh, the Scotty Brothers. Um, this explores every facet of Yankovic's life, from his meteoric rise to fame, with early hits like "Eat It" and "Like a Surgeon," to his torrid celebrity love affairs and famously <laughs> depraved lifestyle. Uh, I love that. Um, this movie has a bajillion cameos, uh, so t- saying that cast list doesn't do it justice. You had everyone from. Like Lin Manuel Miranda, Patton Oswalt, Michael McKean, Conan O'Brien, Jack Black. The list goes on and on and on, and we'll probably talk about some of them as uh, things go on here. But like I said, this is a. Uh, it was a a long time coming. Uh, people kept screaming at Weird Al apparently to make this movie after the tr- Funny or Dry Funny or Die trailer came out, mm-hmm. um, and they finally ended up getting obviously Roku to do it. Um, The one thing I do want to put up top, because I see a lot of people talking about it, um, and including Weird Al, which is bizarre considering. uh, So the end credit song says that that song will be up for Oscar nomination. It won't. It won't. Uh, So from all the articles I've read, uh, this is only for Emmy consideration because it never was screened in the L.A. New York markets in theaters. So, So so. I I don't I actually I don't get saw, why. I saw a listing though that it was going to be released uh November 1st. I don't know where. I assumed theaters and then it was going to go to Roku because there was two dates. I, I don't know where I Maybe they backtracked on it and the article and, I read was old yeah. news, but um But I can I see hope that. Changed. Uh, I, I can see them saying, "Oh, it's only Emmy because it's TV." You know, it's not a theatrical release. Well, they're saying it because like Oscars have rules with that stuff. And so uh, if they didn't put it out in theaters for uh, a certain amount of time or certain markets or whatever, those things go back. So I hope not yeah. because I was going to start a, uh, you know, certain like uh, Oscar conversation things uh, amongst my Oscar friends and everything else and see how you guys felt about it. But um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I'll, I have to see how that plays out. But let's start <laughs> before Shane and I get into a, a, a debate here. Chris, you're kind of the, the middle here. You're, you're caught in the middle of mommy and daddy fighting. So I apologize already I? that we're doing this uh, <laughs> right up top. So where do, what did you think of the movie after seeing it on Roku? Did you enjoy your Roku experience? I hated it. Oh, Go. God no, damn it. No, uh, actually, I was... I was when you were talking about the trailer before. Uh, I didn't realize it was a, a parody trailer or fake trailer for mm-hmm. Funny or Die originally. But when that first trailer came out uh, showing this, I I was just gobsmacked. I I didn't get it. Yeah, we hated I, the first trailer. Yeah, it was it, why is he smoking? Why is he drinking? This ridiculous. <laughs> uh, we, we we just tore it apart. And then the second trailer came out. Then it started making sense. Yeah. This is what the movie we're going to see. Yeah. And um, when if when I finally watched it, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. It being a parody of his life, 
sort of like uh, Dewey Cox's uh, Walk Hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it had that felt same like kind of that. energy. Yeah. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, you know, it wasn't really high on my uh, my enjoying of it because there were some problems I had with it. But overall, I was glad to see that that he's just as deranged as he's always been. Yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I've watched it twice now because the when I watched it the first time, I had this feeling of like the the basically once Madonna gets her hooks more into the movie. And it kind of goes that way. It does dip a little when it stops being more about him. Uh, I thought yep. it like kicked tons of ass for the first 45 minutes, at least 45 to 50 minutes, because it was that kind of like mock origin story. And a lot of that stuff was where most of the jokes land. Um, yeah. But once it kind of like spun out with the the eat it stuff slash Madonna stuff, I thought it kind of like dipped a little bit and got into... Kind of a nod to UHF with the going into Pablo Escobar territory and all the other stuff where it was kind of the fake Rambo vibes that from the old UHS, UHF stuff. And um, yep. and then it ends on a much different note than you would expect, of course, um, because it's completely, you know, nonsense if you know who Weird Al is and he introduces yeah. the film. Um, but the... The tone, I thought, was right for what Weird Al would want, what he would do, and I appreciated it from that. And I really liked uh, Evan Rachel Wood in this movie, um, even though, like I said, I thought the Madonna stuff like works, but like it changes the whole complexion of the movie. But her actual performance, I thought, was really good with that. Um, so with all that said, <laughs> I will now ask Shane, uh, what did you think about Weird the Al Yankovic story, buddy. I'm going to start off with a positive here. Okay. Um, I thought the cast was fantastic. Like, the cast was great. The cameos, they all worked for me. Yeah. But same. It, the number one thing a comedy should do is make you laugh. Oh. Make, make, make you laugh. I chuckled maybe twice throughout this movie. This, I don't know if I was in the right mind state or I wasn't ready for the kind of tone it was going to be. I knew it would be some kind of parody of some sort. I did, but like the jokes didn't land. It was too it was too over the top and too on the nose for me, I thought, like throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the Toby Huss, who I love Toby Huss, who played his father in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like when he beat up Thomas Lennon, I was like, really? This is where we're going with this? And like Oh my God. That was it, one of my favorite scenes. You're killing me. All right, go ahead. <laughs> it, it was too tough. And like you said, I, I love seeing Jack Black back again. I haven't seen him in a while since Jumanji. I like yeah. his cameo. Great Wolfman Jack, yeah. Yes, but like once it hit the Madonna part of the movie, it totally lost me on that. I'm like, what am I what? I, I stopped it twice. I It took me three times to get through this movie. Like the Madonna part hit, and I it, it lost, like you said, tonally it changed. I didn't like the story arc it went into with Madonna. I didn't like that. I didn't like anything with Madonna in it. So it lost me once it hit Madonna. Right. Up until then, there was a lull. No, up until then, I was like, okay, it's okay. You know, I was like, I'm not laughing as much as I thought I would, but it's okay. But then that last half hit, I'm like, can we just, can we speed this shit up? And especially once he hit like uh, the Pablo Escobar thing when they kidnapped Madonna, I'm like, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, please, man. Like, let's let's just go. But I was disappointed because I thought, 
and I do love parodies and I do love physical comedy, but for some reason, man, it was too, it was too over the top. It was just too, too bad, like over the top acting over the top, everything. And I'm like, okay, it just didn't, it didn't hit with me, man. And I'm, I'm disappointed because I was looking forward to this movie and when you brought it up for uh, a show topic, I'm like, oh, that's right. It's coming out this weekend. Let's, let's, let's do this thing. I was excited for it and right. it just did not. It just didn't do it for me, man. Like, I just couldn't get into it. Like, how you bashed Run, Sweetheart, Run last week. That's why I feel like watching this movie. I'm okay. like, I, I just didn't enjoy it, man. Like, yeah. But the, and I feel bad because, again, the cast is great. I mean, hands down, they they filled this movie up. I loved it with the with the cast and cameos. Yeah. I, and I will say, you know, again, I can't. The, the tough part when, and this is why we don't usually talk about comedies in depth on podcasts too much, because it's usually either a love or a hate thing, right? It either right. clicks with you or it doesn't. You can't exactly be like, oh, well, this nuanced thing about it. It's like, no, no, no. It's, 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 you know, positive or negative every single time. But I'm glad that you at least found some of the things that obviously I, I truly enjoyed. The cast is the standout. I mean, Radcliffe yeah. is very good, and I believe... He got casted off of his appearance on The Tonight Show, I want to say, where he did um, alphabet aerobics um, and some other, like, really nerdy stuff that he did, on, you know, where he was rapping and performing and whatever else. So that makes sense. He has that energy he can match for this movie. Obviously, where it's not spot-on Weird Al, it's obviously a parody of what, like a lot of this stuff, I weirdly enough is true. Um, right. The Madonna thing is obviously the most outlandish from even the jump because, as uh, I know, uh, Weird Al was on the Tonight Show and he said, "Oh yeah, I met her for about oh forty five seconds backstage once, and that was it." And then so this right. whole movie is just a wild fabrication, of course. It, it is funny you bring up the Tonight Show clip because after the movie, I showed uh, my girlfriend the clip of him singing the alphabet aerobics thing. Yeah. And he was phenomenal in that. I mean, he was oh, great. So good. Yeah. 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 He was so good with that. And the part, of the, movie, the part of the movie I did like, and it, it, it kind of made me chuckle when he said he was going to write his original songs, but did a parody. And you know what I mean? I did like that little twist where he wrote the Eat It. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Michael yeah, yeah. Jackson. The Michael yeah. Jackson came after him. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so I did. I like I that enjoy... conversation in the restaurant when he's yes. on the phone with, <laughs> yeah. Him, well, essentially himself, but yes, himself. Yeah, as a Scotty brother. Yeah. I did enjoy that pocket of the movie. It just, it, it just, I needed more of that, I guess. I just, but I did enjoy that little twist and him making fun of himself over that. I will say, like, as far as the, um, like, where he found his inspiration, being a fan and having that, that bit of a nostalgia where I know where he's going with it. Right. Like, you know, I know I've gained some weight. I, you know, yeah. I'm fat. I'm fat. I know it. Yeah. When they're saying direct <laughs> lines know? from songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm cracking up because I'm like, I, that song idea. There you go. And the part where he finally, um, starts working in the factory. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got this mundane task to do and he's doing it for like two seconds. And then he sees this button. Yeah, and then he just presses it. Yeah, and, and then just, people start. I laughed out loud. Part. Yeah, yeah, that one just like caught me off guard because I was like, "He's going to touch that button, isn't he?" Yeah, and then it, sure enough, he does, and chaos ensues. Yeah, 
I don't know, man. Like, well, and especially, and again, I don't want to have this turn into the Chris Farley show. Like, the, oh, do you see that one part where he did this? <laughs> but like, because I will, and I do it. Because again, I'm I geek out over stuff like this. Yeah. I will say, I mean, it wasn't this unassailable movie, so I can't like just literally go shamelessly. Like, stupid! You're so stupid! Like, because I do, I did feel that kind of dip or the weirdness towards the end, but. The thing with Weird Al, especially if he's co-writing the thing, he's not going to be sentimental. He's never sentimental. He's bitterly sarcastic and self-deprecating at all times. So, you know, again, he takes the piss out of everything. So to have a more heightened, hyperbolic, crazy ending is completely him. But at the same time, it like it flows enough that it, it didn't take me completely out. But there is that part where you just go, Oh, this is where it's going, um, as opposed yeah. to the the beginning, which was actually a lot of it was kind of matching up similarly with his life, or like there was enough to it, there was enough nuggets of truth that held it there that he can riff yeah. on it much easier. But once he got to like the complete lies, the like the things that were way out of whack, I think that's yeah. where maybe I could see people you know, losing its grip on the movie a little bit. Is that fair, Chris, as Mr. Middling over there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I'm middling. No, um, what I mean is... Uh, you know, no, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, but as far as, like, you know, I was watching this with uh, Melanie, and she was not aware of how it was going to be portrayed. Right. She thought it was a legit biography of Weird Al. <laughs> right. And, you know, then when it starts straying uh after the intro after the first like you know 15 minutes then she's like i don't get what i'm watching and i'm trying to explain it to her i'm like he's parodying the biographies like you know uh <clears throat> walk the line uh ray you yeah. know stuff like that where yeah like Dewey you said, Cox Dewey was Cox, doing it yeah. straight up yeah. yeah but like uh you know the fa- overbearing father who i'm like his parents were very supportive of him you know i had to <laughs> oh, explain yeah. that and, uh, you know, he's just doing a parody, you know, as he's known to do. So yeah. she's like, uh, okay, all right. But she laughed at the parts that were supposed to be funny. And, you know. Um, yeah, like, hey, boy, Shane. Hey, boy. Very funny. God damn it. Uh, I, 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 rolled my, I rolled my eyes at that. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> hey, boy is fucking great. My, my favorite uh, line in the whole thing was actually quite early in the movie when uh, they're all sitting at the table and they go, your dad and I had a long talk and we agreed that it'd be best if you stop being who you are and doing the things you love. I thought that yeah. was like the yeah. funniest thing in the whole movie. Um, that and like the small aside when uh, Weird Al's drunk and he's with his bandmates yelling at them and they walk away in a storm off and uh, <laughs> Madonna turns to Al and he's like, they seem nice. And he's like, oh yeah, they're great. Like, yeah. so it's like, just like, oh, this big yeah. brashy fight. And it's like, oh no, they seem yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. So those are the yep. type of things that are classically Weird Al that I enjoy a lot. Um, but yeah, you could tell the, the, the love in this movie for the fact of how many cameos there are. Like it's everybody right. who's worked the with him. The whole pool scene. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> just like uh, Shane, you said, like Jack Black was perfect. I really liked uh, Thomas Lennon, that whole scene, because it's just so silly 
that like you know you would just beat the shit out of this accordion salesman and then like also by the accordion and he's like i think i have a collapsed lung and it's like will you shut up we have a moment here you know like yeah, those know, yeah. like, those are that all just completely works for me um yeah and so those type of scenes a lot of the best stuff for me was early on uh i think once it yeah. got a little little too much towards the end i i think i liked it less but i still liked it um but yeah like the pablo escobar thing i don't i don't really care like that guy played it, it was played it pretty funny um but yeah. i i i i cared less about it once it really got away kind of like from the the sentimental stuff or whatever but i understand if you're doing something about your life and your life went pretty great <laughs> you know like where are you supposed to go with it to make a movie and especially when you're basing it off True. of a two-minute trailer and trying to find the in-between to find you know 100 minutes 90 minutes to 100 minutes so that's I think they did a good job of at least how they filled out the time. I think it and to make Madonna basically the villain of the movie is uh yeah. is a swing, but I think yeah. this movie works way more for super fans because of things like Chris said where we don't have to explain these things to ourselves or look things up. We just go, "Oh no, no, that was a lyric from this. This is yep. uh his original label. These are real people, but you know, but you know the relationship with it so you can laugh that it's like oh no this was overwhelmingly positive for him in his life but in the movie it's not it's a negative and he's putting cigarettes out on people so it's like <laughs> and of course weird al is a sweetheart and never had a drinking problem or any of these like so the those type of things you can kind of just chuckle along and like just shit grin through most of the movie and you don't even know why, because you're just, you know, it's ingrained in you if you're like a super fan. So I understand for people who maybe aren't to think less of it. But what I will say is just to uh, to put it out there, because we normally do, the scores are overwhelmingly positive. Uh, it's an 80, Get out. 85 Rotten Tomatoes score with an 88 Rotten Tomato audience score. 72 meta score, which is really high because you figure like not every critic is a Weird Al fan. And 7.3 IMDb and a 3.7 letterbox. So very, very high scores mm -hmm. uh, across the board. And I believe it was the winner of Midnight section of the Toronto International Film Festival as well. So it's been getting praised up and down. But again, you know, he has his fans and I amongst them. So if you're a super fan, there there's zero chance you hated this movie or had a lot of issues with this movie. And obviously, I think a lot of people are very forgiving when they know what kind of person he is. So, dare I say, do we want to put scores out before we move to the recommendation side? We always sure. do. Let's do it. All right. Shane, <laughs> kick us off, man, because we could only go up from there. Uh, all right. So before I get my score, I would like to give a shout out. I do like uh, it's good to see the kid from Unbreakable get some work because I haven't seen him in anything since the uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies. Um he played Who one of his that? college roommate. He played his college oh, roommate. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep. Yep. So uh, the lead guy. I, hate to do, I I think he was like the drummer, but he was in there. Oh, you okay. can tell by the eyes. You can tell by the yeah, eyes. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. No, I know exactly who you're talking about because obviously he wasn't like John yep. Bermuda Schwartz or any of those Correct. guys. It wasn't any of the dark haired guys. It was the light haired one with the long hair. Yeah. Yep. You got it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, oh, I hate to do this, and I'm going to give this a score just because of the cameos in the cast, but I give it a star and a half. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, it's, again, hard to go in between when you're talking Sorry, about Chris, a comedy, but 
you know, and not what I'm going to give it. But uh, Chris, where do you sit with it, buddy? I, I guess this is our last episode. Um, <laughs> We've said no, that before. Uh, and we're still here. 31 in. I know. Yeah. Gluttons for punishment, I guess. Um, I know. You know what? I, I'm a little more favorable than Shane. Um, no. Uh, I, I give it a three out of five. Okay. You know, it, it, it was good. It wasn't UHF good. UHF is like you can pop that on anytime and keep on laughing at the same parts. Yeah. This was, uh, you know, it was good, and I'm glad it was its own thing. It wasn't like here's a sequel to UHF. It's, yeah. you know, let me try this. Uh, yeah, so I gave three out of five on that one. Okay. And I- I'm higher than that. Uh, I'm actually probably very close to, like, the – the letterbox score if i can give you know quarters i'm probably three and three quarters um you know somewhere around there three and a half three and three quarters i'm somewhere in that range where you know i know it's flaws but i'm gonna super fan and giggle it out you know i was actually surprised when i was uh going through uh my top 25 of the year i keep on letterbox and i was surprised of how far down this movie was where i'm like i'm a I'm a Weird Al super fan. I like the movie, and somehow I think I have it. Yeah, it's like in the top 20. It's probably closer to like, um, and of course Shane won't agree, <laughs> but uh, to me it's probably clo- it's like a like a slightly better version of like the Nicolas Cage movie, where it takes the piss out of Nicolas oh, Cage. Oh, 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 oh. But again, yeah. hey. Oh. Keep it to yourself, buddy, oh. because I have uh, issues with that one where I think it's a slight tick upgrade oh. from that, where, again, you're playing uh, a very different, you know, pulled, pulled away view or whatever of a famous person and making some hyperbolic, crazy, intense uh, thing that it gets the essence of that person. So I think it is actually a decent double feature, whether Shane likes it or not, with... Uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. So, which is probably one of the last, like, in the, well, uh, actually, this year's been pretty good for, for studio comedies. Cause, um, one that I'm, I wanted to recommend in our recommendation section, which is coming up next, is Honor Society on, uh, Paramount Plus, um, which is probably one of the better comedies I've seen in a bit. Um, so between that, the Nicolas Cage movie and this movie, I think if I can get three studio, comedies as movies not tv shows to work in a single year that's pretty great because it's been pretty terrible out here for uh studio comedies so those are the scores that we have there let's wrap on that one for weird the al yankovic story and let's uh you know get all into the positives guys we're gonna bring it hard and we're gonna talk about yeah, make that face, Chris. That's fine. Yeah, it, it felt wrong when I said it. Um, but this is now, we're going to end the show on recommendations that we had. We missed a bunch of stuff because we, we can only cover so many movies. So we were like, what could we do to have kind of a what we missed part of the episode? And I think we have one recommendation from each of us. Three solid picks that have very high scores. So I don't think uh, people will be too uh, upset with our picks, and hopefully, maybe they've seen them already. Shane, let's get you on the positive kick here, buddy. Let's get to your film. What are you recommending for the people out there for them to go see? All right, I'm going to bring this so hard for you guys. Um, I'm bringing uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. 
which uh, came out, what was it, last week on Netflix or a week before. It's fairly new. Yeah, it's uh, a remake of a 1930 film of the same name based on a book. So it's been Oscar about, award-winning. Yeah. Yeah. It's been about, honestly, about 30 years since I've seen the original one. So I don't remember much of that movie at all. Mm-hmm. So I kind of came into this fresh. You know what I mean? Like, it's a new take on it. I get to watch it. I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, set in World War One, it follows uh, Paul, this character named Paul, and his squad mates as they're in the trenches of World War One, and kind of what they go through on a day-to-day. This stars uh, no one I know except for Daniel Bruhl, uh, who did a fantastic job in the scenes he was actually in. Yeah, I really enjoyed him, but he wasn't in it enough for me. And uh, it's a typical war movie. Like it's a, it, it has, it shows you like in depth of what these people went through in the trenches the atrocities of war how cruel it could be it's one of the better made netflix movies production wise cinematography was just outstanding i thought and um it's a little long it's like two and a half hours but it it did hold my attention throughout the entire movie and it wasn't until like the tanks rolled in that it really i was like oh my god they're going there so like yeah it's it's violent It's, it's there's some hard to watch scenes in this movie but uh, overall, man, I, I really enjoyed it. The only thing I was thinking, I was thinking two things when I was watching this movie. I think 1917 took some of the steam out of this movie for me because that's a better, I thought it was a better representation of World War One than this movie. Okay. So that kind of took a little wind out of the sails for me on uh, on that one. And I just forgot the second point I was going to make. Maybe I'll think about it again. But yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I probably will watch it again at some point. But um, yeah, so I and of course you guys know me. I don't read, so apparently it's a, it's a fairly close to the book kind of adaptation from uh, f- for a movie from the book. But uh, yeah, I, I it was well worth it for me. So did you guys see it or I, I have not? Chris says, uh, I believe. So did you want uh, to speak on that, Chris? I was saying to Andrew prior to uh, us recording that uh, I, I compare it to uh, Lord of the Rings. Where it's like, yeah, I don't recognize people on screen. You know, I, I don't know them from uh, Daniel Brühl is the only one I recognize. So these are all new to me. Their names are said, but they're quickly lost on me. So I said, uh, oh, this movie stars Paul Bettany, Andrew Garfield, and uh, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. They looked exactly like it. And I, that's how I referred to them. Uh, right. The lead actor was Paul. <laughs> but... uh no, uh, I I will comment on what you said, Shane. The uh, the cinematography, which I, I looked him up, was uh, James Friend did the cinematography on it, and it is gorgeous to look at. And it is kind of a dichotomy with uh, you know what the beauty of the skyline, the the scenes, and then the shots of war, right? Of you know the explosions around everyone and them stepping into. Uh, pools of blood i mean it's just it's yeah harrowing and um not to cut you off but i did remember the second point i was going to make i don't know if it's just because of history i feel a little little uneasy watching stuff from a german perspective because it's like am i supposed to feel sympathy for these characters so that's one thing i didn't latch on to these characters like oh i want him to really make it through this movie Uh, (laughs) just knowing the history of germany and I guess that's the first one was based in that perspective as well. 
I, you know, it's just one of those things where they're young men. They're 18 and 19 years old. Yeah. Some right. of them didn't sign up for this, so it's not really their fault. They're just they're there, you know, kind of yeah. like how we would be called up in a draft. So, but it is hard coming from that perspective because, like, yeah, I shouldn't feel sorry for these people. You know what I mean? So right. that's the other. I felt a little uneasy watching it from that perspective, but it's a beautifully made, beautifully shot film. If you want my score, I gave it a four out of five for this yeah. movie. Which is the letterbox score, by the way. The oh, scores okay. for this overall are insane. Uh, if you thought the the scores for for uh, Weird was good, th- these are off the charts. It's 91 Rotten Tomato score, 90 audience score, 4.0 letterbox, 75 meta score, 7.9 IMDb. So very high across the board for this film. Yeah, I, I-, I hate saying it like this, but... It is really well done for a Netflix film. Yes, like it. It honestly has it has a, a look of prestige that you normally don't get with uh, most Netflix. I mean, they're they're there, they're available, but for the most part, it's mostly popcorn, right? You get from uh, Netflix, but this one looks like it. It looks like an Oscar contender, right? I- yeah, I would have seen this so, in the theater. Oh yeah, I'm sure it really would have like just been perfect yeah. with the the sound, seeing it on the big screen. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't push for it. Well, it did have a limited theatrical release, uh, but again, oh, mostly for the purposes of Oscars and such. So in New York, LA, you know, limited markets, the bigger markets of such. So us in Connecticut didn't have them around. I did look because I would like to do that myself. Um, but to speak on some of the things you were saying, Shane, yeah, uh, from from what I understand, the whole impetus of this project was the fact that it was closer to the book. Um, and obviously, uh, a lot of time has passed since the original film, so they thought they can actually uh, contextualize it and update a lot of the the effects, the war visualizations and things. And obviously, you were saying that was part of the standout of all of it. Um, Daniel Bruhl, for being a lesser part, uh, was also a co-producer on this one, too. So that's part of how this got made as well. Uh, I also know Netflix is been wanting to do more and more stuff in Germany so it's kind of like a combination of effects of how this movie got made in the first place let alone for how successful it seems to be and because it is as successful uh, it is now uh, up for consideration it is on the short list for best international feature at the Oscars Uh, it'll be Germany's representation for that so Netflix has a few of those in contention, and hopefully they know that this one has a real good shot. I wonder if, because, again, people are familiar with the original film, whether they will you know, kind of give a strike against this one because it is in fam- familiar territory. Um, but, hey, if it's got the goods, it's got the goods, and, and war films definitely work a lot on that level. And Shane and Chris, you were on my Netflix podcast enough to know that Netflix is pretty damn good with war films. There's been quite a few that we've covered. Um, The Forgotten Battle was one of my favorites from last year. Um, We covered, Chris and I believe, uh, Chris was on for uh, Munich, The Edge of War earlier this year, which I did enjoy. That's more of like on a political end than a war-specific end. And then, um, you know, The Bombardment, I hear, is very good this year. And I just got done watching... Uh, Athena, which isn't exactly war per se, but it's like one nonstop riot. 
uh, in in a in a community. Yes, sir, Shane. Yeah, no, no. I was going to add to your list. Don't forget uh, the Battle of Jadotville or Jadotville. Jadotville, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. That's Absolutely. a great, yeah, great war film on Netflix. Yeah, one of the rare Irish wars. Uh, so yes. people check that out. It's in Africa, uh, or it's, it's not South yeah. Africa, right? It was uh, right above there, I believe. Correct. On the coast. Yep. So, yeah. So definitely a very good movie uh, there as well. So and there's probably ones I'm even forgetting. So solid work. I I understand the 1917 point. I did enjoy that movie as well. But you know, it's getting it's pretty much close in terms of uh, how much people love that. Uh, and it is currently I think from the week of 10:31, the week of Halloween week last week, it is the number one movie on Netflix for that week. Uh, in terms of ratings and everything else. So good on them, you know, for having a foreign war, a war film be the number one thing on a, you know, in a busy time period, uh, especially uh, coming off. They had Wendell and Wilde. They had uh, my recommendation that outcome. So, so I'll hold off on that. And then, of course, all the miniseries we mentioned before. So they had a truckload of things on Netflix and somehow it did rise enough above the fray to to be in the top spot, um, grabbing it from the previous week, which was uh, The School for Good and Evil, uh, which is still doing well and still in the top ten, I think, for them uh, right now. But I guess maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do mine next then because we're still on the Netflix train. Um, the Good Nurse is the one that I'm going to recommend here. This is directed by Tobias Lindholm who, uh, if the name sounds familiar, he is uh, a lot of writers, uh, the screenplay writer for Thomas Vinderberg uh, stuff, like Another Round. Uh, that was a very popular right. film uh, recently that he was uh, the writer or co-writer of that one as well. This stars Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne as two nurses uh, working uh, in the overnight shift. It's uh, It mostly centers on Amy and her life to start. She's a compassionate nurse and a single mother struggling with a life-threatening heart condition uh, who's being stretched to her physical and emotional limits by a hard and demanding night shift at the ICU. But help <laughs> comes in the form of Eddie Redmayne, who plays Charlie, a thoughtful and empathetic fellow nurse uh, who starts in the unit and while sharing long nights at the hospital, they get kind of close. Um, they even start to meld into her family life and everything else. But after a series of mysterious patient deaths set off an investigation that points to Charlie as the prime suspect, Amy is forced to risk her life and safety of her children to uncover the truth. This is based on the novel by Charles Graber. It's also based on a true story. And uh, just to add for fun, this was also shot in Connecticut. Uh, right near where I uh, used to work and obviously near where I live. So uh, they were all over kind of southern, southeast Connecticut near the New York border. Um, saw a lot of the pictures and stuff uh, out there. So that was pretty cool to see. I, I definitely recommend this. It's a solid thriller with very good lead performances by Chastain and Redmayne. And I actually liked uh, the detective duo in here a lot. And Shane might get a kick out of uh, one of the pair, which was NFL cornerback Namdi Asamoah, uh, who oh. was a standout in this movie. Um, and also, he was joined uh, in his detective duo by one of my favorite ca uh, TV character actors, Noah Emmerich, uh, if you're familiar with him as well. So, 
Uh, he always plays a hard ass. And this one, he's kind of like on the good guy side a little bit because he's chasing down a you know potential serial killer. So I will definitely say uh, this movie was way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I thought it was going to be, you know, closer to some of the some of the Netflix films that were maybe closer to like, you know, a step above doing a true gr- crime doc, but trying to like fictionalize them. This one was had way more style. Uh, of like I actually felt the confliction by. Uh, Chastain's Amy character because she basically gets the support from someone she needs at the time she needs it the most. And it turns out that, you know, that imagine if that person, when you're like, oh, thank God, this person who's pulling me out of the depths is uh, potentially a serial killer. Yeah. And you're one of the only people in the world who can put them away and, you know, stop them from uh, killing the patients that she cares about so deeply. It's a very good dynamic and i i found it really compelling so i would definitely check that out uh the scores are pretty solid for that too uh 79 rotten tomato score with a 77 audience 3.3 letterbox 64 minute score and 6.9 imdb so it's a solid entry for netflix and like i said they just put so much stuff out all at once it was good nurse all quiet wendell and wild and cabin of curiosities all in the same week it's like what are you doing Netflix you're just <laughs> flooding uh the market and so yep. that is definitely I don't know did either of you check out the good nurse yet no I have not it's on my list um but I have not seen it yet but I will get to it this week honestly to be, you know I do like it I do like the cast but uh there are some things that came up before it so I have like ADD when it comes to, like new movies and new shows it's yeah. like oh I'm going to watch this. Oh, what's this sparkly thing over here? I'm going to watch this. So, yeah, I got distracted. (laughs) Yeah. And, again, uh, that's why I feel weird about bringing it up here because it is doing well. It's right there with um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Like, it was number two the week before, and it's number two, I think, again this week. So, it's holding very strongly back-to-back weeks because it was a Wednesday release. So, it's kind of been middle of the week, not getting the full treatment, you know, it probably, if you took it from Wednesday to Wednesday, it probably would have been number one beating everybody, but instead it kind of had to split up. But it, the 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 numbers are bearing out. It's doing very well, um, which is why I feel silly, kind of like, hey, check this out, when maybe people maybe already have. But <laughs> as I said, it was a flooded market for Netflix during that period. So if you didn't see it, I definitely recommend checking that out. It is better than what I expected. And one of the strongest Netflix movies of the year. I think it's in my top three or four Ooh, uh, for, okay. for, for Netflix films, not right, right, for right, films right. overall for the year, but for Netflix, you know, who's having kind of a meh year, you know? So um, I think it's like something like, you know, Hustle is still my number one, but it's close. So because I think I'd give this a three. I gave this a three and a half. So, okay. which is basically in that hustle territory, and and I haven't had a, a Netflix film uh, crack the three and a half threshold. So I'm hoping if I watch, uh, you know, All Quiet on the Western Front, that maybe that'll peek it over and and hit me a good at least four on that one. That would be great to hear. And of course, now we have our third recommendation from Chris here. What do you got for us, Chris? What do you bring into the people? Marcel the Shell. With shoes on. Oh, you don't uh, say. <laughs> yes. You mean from is, the intro? See, that was so long it's ago. It's a callback. <laughs> yeah. It's a callback. Yeah. Um, 
we wanted to see this back I know when it was supposed to come to theaters and then it didn't come to theaters and then when it was it was only on certain times that it was playing you know, during the day worked. all the time yeah. like it was set up for children and old people and I was getting very mad <laughs> put oh, a yeah. nine o'clock showing you cowards <laughs> uh and I was uh you know I I've been scrolling through the uh the apps on my TV, and uh, you know what? One that we don't talk about enough is Redbox. Uh, yeah, Redbox. You can I used get to do them that all the time. streamed right to the TV. You get a couple of codes, and these are uh, very affordable. Yeah, and uh, so I found Marcel the shell. Marcel, a one-inch tall shell, lives with his grandmother Connie, the only residents of their town after their neighbor's sudden mysterious disappearance. When discovered by a guest amongst the clutter of his Airbnb, the short film he posts online brings Marcel millions of passionate fans and a new hope of reuniting with his long-lost family. The gentleman that moves into this Airbnb is uh, Dean, who's played by the actual uh, writer-director, Dean Fleischer Camp. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Marcel is voiced by uh, Jenny Slate. Yeah. Which, uh, at one point, the two of them were married. Yep. When they made the um, short for this, that went to short, Sundance yeah. uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point, they divorced. But to make this film, they it's their baby. So they came together and, and brought it to the big screen. Yeah, seven um, years, supposedly, for uh, the uh, time between making the film. Yep. And uh, it was, uh, it looked adorable in the uh, trailer. I never saw the shorts before. Yeah. Uh, but after the film, I was, uh, I found myself uh, searching YouTube and uh, I came across them. And they were actually, I think, three of them. And judging from the first short, some of it was translated to this film. Right. Because some of the dialogue was the same and some of the situations. Uh, the interview style, it was, it, it really felt like a documentary. Yeah. And here you are, you're looking at this uh, animated shell and uh, you're like, I really hope th- they do find their, their family. Yeah. Um, it didn't give me that gut punch that I thought from the trailer. Yeah. But uh, it was a sweet movie from beginning to end. Uh, it's a short one. It's an hour and a half. And, uh, Jenny Slate may have uh, left an animated project because she didn't feel she was right for the character she was portraying. Mm-hmm. But Marcel is is quite the uh, the welcome uh, of her voice stylings. She was adorable, uh, even though Marcel is a boy. Yeah, uh, she uh, she made you feel for this tiny one inch shell. It was really done so well that uh, you know. If it was anything else, if it was any other subject, any other type of film, I would have been like, yeah, it's like a two and a half out of five. Right. Uh, because of what they went through to get it to the big screen, uh, you know, a seven year journey, the technical aspect of, uh, you know, five to 10 seconds of screen time was like a day's worth of work. Yeah. I uh, saw that. Yeah. To me, it bumps it up to like a four out of five. I really did enjoy this one. Uh, oh, wow. It had heart. 
it was funny. It was, uh, it felt real. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I ended up, uh, seeing it. Yeah. I'm a little late to the game, but yeah. And and considering, uh, Shane, you haven't caught this yet. Have you? No, it was on my list. And like you, Andrew, every time I saw a showing for it, it was like during the workday and I couldn't see it. And then it was, and then it was out of the theater. So it was on my list, but yeah, never got around to seeing it. So I do want to check it out once it I can, you know, come to a service I can watch it on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is it is on uh VOD right now. You can rent it for I think like, you know, whatever, six, seven bucks, whatever it is. Uh at that point it's not the full nineteen ninety nine thing or whatever. So it is reasonable. And if like Chris was saying that maybe red box options or what have you yeah, are was- still abound for that. And I not to it's to like four ninety nine on Redbox. Okay, so that's pretty close to what it would be on if you got it from Amazon or uh, Apple at this point. So that's not bad. And I do miss Redbox as a thing because it used to have, like, the red boxes, like, to rent live and in person uh, at a few places around me. And they're all gone. And it makes me sad because it would be like, oh, for, like, a couple of bucks, I could rent, you know, something that I haven't seen, which is way cheaper than online, you know, with the VOD stuff. Um, all just because I had to drive down the street didn't bother me, but apparently it didn't do enough business that they didn't hold around my area. So, RIP. Red I was Box? gonna say I, I still know. have a couple. Yeah, no, I need to check that out. I have a Red Box like a mile down from my house, actually at the CVS. It's still there. So oh. maybe. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. But with all the streaming services, I forget to check it out. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like maybe yeah. I need to go revisit the Red Box for a dollar ninety nine. Go like you said, a dollar ninety nine. Go rent the movie. Yeah, if you yeah, if it's something my, uh, you miss for like the last six months, you're probably gonna have it there, and it'll be way cheaper. Yeah, right. I have it on. Uh, I have the app on my uh, smart TV. Yeah, and uh, you know I can stream it right from my my house, or if I do have my Blu-ray still hooked up, I can go around the corner to uh, I believe the Walgreens. Yeah, around the corner from me, and just rent whatever disc that's available. Yeah, it's wild. I guess they all just uh, abandoned me. So you guys are still in good shape. So congratulations. Hey, man. Want a disc? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I definitely want to check it out. The scores are off yeah. the charts, like even, weirdly enough, even higher uh, than uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, 99 Rotten Tomato score with a 91 uh, Rotten Tomato audience score, uh, 7.9 IMDb. 81 Metascore, that's insanely high. 4.3 Letterbox. That's probably mm. the highest I've seen all year on anything. Um, that's like borderline where like Tar is now and some of these other like up for, you know, best picture type things. Which is weird though because I haven't heard many Oscar people being like, oh yeah, and this one is definitely in the 10 for the year because of how well it's being scored. But I haven't heard that at all. Like, I don't see it around. And I don't know if it's, I think it's not eligible for animated or it's being judged right now whether it has enough animated content because there is a lot of live action and it blends live action backgrounds and everything else. So there is. It's tough. It's very borderline. And they already uh, kicked out Apollo 10.5 from Netflix because it did it was like rotoscoped and they didn't oh. do enough i guess animation for them so they do have a line um so we'll see uh if marcel the shell is included in that one or whether it'll get 
a uh, best picture push at some point because you said it, it plays upon people's emotions it's very sweet as you were saying yeah so it'd be interesting to see whether that lands at the end of the year so solid job guys with the recommendations hopefully people can take something from this um and you know if you haven't people check out weird al and if you have seen the movie let us know uh why shane is wrong and definitely <laughs> why i'm right up. why i'm right <laughs> yes yeah especially if you're not a super fan and you know maybe you came into this uh you know because you're with a super fan and trying to watch it and you're like sitting there like uh chris's wife and being a little more lost in the woods uh when watching something like this i'd be interesting i'd be interested to know if it's kind of like across the board that this is more of a super fan or fan big fan movie than anything which i would assume it is anyway it's a very niche movie if you think about it especially like Mm -hmm. it's not a straight up bio uh, biopic anyway let alone a biopic of someone who we all kind of like if you're familiar but not like deep dive it's for more of a very select few so i'd be interested to see how that shakes out i have to also add that uh i i came across even a promotional poster being a parody of other biopic posters yeah yeah it's uh it's the weird poster with uh you know uh bow rap right half was that they do the bohemian rhapsody one i've seen that yes yeah i was gonna say like you know the half the face of uh weird al with this purplish hue yeah yeah. the other uh it's just it's spot on and i'm just like that's that's perfect yeah and there's one that makes him almost seem like he looks like a daredevil from behind. There's like a bunch of ones that are yes. very funny um, and, and do the job of selling it as this like larger than life <laughs> biopic version. Uh, so, oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, definitely let us know what you think or if you've seen maybe some of our recommendations. Uh, you know, if you check them out on our recommendation, maybe let us know what you thought of them. Uh, hopefully, we're still on point in, on our game here. Uh, to let us know and uh next week looking there it's looking like this is going to be black panther for us uh so please come back next week especially us big mcu fans come back and hang out with us and check out wakanda forever and meet us back here for more recent activity <laughs>